so I am epically bad at intros. It's kind of a running joke for us because I'm like really, <laughs> uh, it's like, essentially, if you listen, ever listen to our show, 100% of the intros are something where I had to go back and re-record it afterwards. So please forgive <laughs> any, uh, anyway, I'll go ahead and give it a shot. There's a lot of trust involved in this because you're going to do an intro and now we know that you re-record them. So you could go back and just be like, you know, noted predator and grand high cleric of the KKK. They're here to tell us about their side hobby uh, as, as opposed to their main work, which is uh, killing children in public. Yeah, yeah lynching and killing. Yeah. It is funny because I am wearing a robe. It is quite chilly here in Ohio. <laughs> Welcome to The Short Game. This is the show where we talk about short games, the kind of games that you can pick up and probably complete in an evening or a weekend. Uh, I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined, as always, this week by my bro host and real-life twin brother, Shane. How you doing, Shane? I'm just great. Bought me a new house. Oh, yeah, you did. You bought a house this week. I did. That's I did. Awesome. It's, uh, it's phenomenal. It's going to have so much more room for my collectibles. <laughs> And uh, this week is a really exciting one because this week I am joined by Gary Butterfield and Cole Ross of Watch Out for Fireballs. I think you've probably heard me talk a little bit about uh, Watch Out for Fireballs on the show before because it's one of my personal favorite gaming podcasts and probably one of the premier retro gaming podcasts on the internet. Gary Butterfield is a writer. Uh, he's also a musician, podcaster, of course, um, is, uh, writes some good stuff about video games on the internet. And as I understand it, he lives in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, how are you doing, Gary? I'm, I'm doing great, Reagan. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And of course, we're also joined by Cole Ross. Uh, Cole is uh, sort of the brains behind DuckFeed.tv, a really great podcast network for video games and also for just general funny stuff. And as I understand it, he lives in Cincinnati? Yes, Cincinnati, Ohio. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you. How's Cincinnati this time of year? Chilly. <laughs> it is very chilly. <laughs> Cincinnati-style chilly. Oh, delicious. <laughs> yeah, so it is red sauce poured haphazardly over noodles. <laughs> I have had that a couple of times, and um, I am deeply confused by it. I actually just moved from the Midwest out to uh, out to sunny Mountain View, California, hmm. and it's been a big improvement. Um, but um, the the food has been uh, lacking. I think maybe the Cincinnati chili is uh, is what I miss. Uh, it's it's awful. It's an affront. Reagan, they put French fries in their in their burritos out there. For our listeners, if you haven't checked out Watch Out for Fireballs, uh, which is a great retro gaming podcast, their format is a lot like ours in that they usually pick one game per episode and they dive into it in extraordinary depth. And what I love about the show is that they talk through the game level by level or stage by stage and talk about some of the great mechanics and and details of the plot and other things about the game that that really make it exceptional. They've been running since about 2011. Um, so if you have a favorite game, there's actually a pretty good chance you can go back into their back catalog and listen to a show where 
two guys explain it in great detail. <laughs> um, clear your clear your evening. Many of their episodes are pretty long. Uh, we'll hopefully uh, come in a little under that time today. Uh, but yeah, they're yeah. really great. Uh, and of course, they're also on a couple of other great uh, podcasts. If you check out duckfeed.tv, you can listen to their show Abject Suffering, uh, which is another really cool show about... Uh, <laughs> worst video games ever and another show that i don't listen to because i'm too much of a wimp for dark souls uh bonfireside chat <laughs> so before we talk a little bit about your process with uh, creating the podcast and uh, and how you guys got started i think you're going to the portland retro gaming expo soon yes oh two weeks if, if you're in california now it's a short little hop <laughs> the um it's fun <laughs> it's it's really fun uh, the, the when I first moved out here, I found out that they had a retro gaming expo, and I was really excited because that's my my ballywick. And uh, it was just this tiny little thing out of a, a hotel conference room, and it's hence grown to this uh, you know pretty pretty sizable um, you know thing. And they've in, added more uh, panels and kind of entertainment and stuff as opposed to just being a big store. Um, but it also functions as a big store, which is great because if there's anything you're looking for, you'll find it. Um, it's really fun. Are you guys big collectors of retro game stuff uh, in addition to play doing the show? Uh, I really just kind of accumulate it as we go along. I wouldn't call it a collection uh, more so than just a shelf and also a Steam library. <laughs> it's not it's not it's not intentional. It's just an accretion of games. I, I consider my Steam library a uh, epically curated collection. It's a uh... <laughs> yeah, it, 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 with this, this high standards of anything that is less than ninety nine cents. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if um, it comes in a bundle yeah and, and it, like any collection it's it's important to keep them in mint unplayed condition <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's probably about 60 percent of my steam library at least and that's uh that's part of the reason that we started this show is to give me a reason to kind of cram through my backlog and um actually the show's really helped a lot because it gives you you know it gives me a kind of a reason to to look through my list and see which ones of these games i can knock out and help my overall percentage on my on my steam played <laughs> list on a pretty recent episode we did a, an interview with uh, dr david heineman who's a guy who's <laughs> he's a real doctor he's a real doctor uh he teaches game <laughs> theory and uh wrote a really good article for kotaku a little while back about how he had played geez i don't even remember i think it was 400 games in two years or something like that so he he talked about his sort of process for getting through stuff um which is just way different from mine but do you guys have a kind of a a system for picking the games you feature on the show or the games you play otherwise is that is that a um i'll, I'll say, i know that cole has um a slightly more as far as actually managing the time a little bit more involved but i'll, I'll speak a little bit to um how we pick the the games um because i'm more involved in that step uh but we're we're super conscious of that because uh not you know we're playing on a deadline and we have these other shows that we do and we both have uh you know actual lives outside the show what? So yeah, the, the, uh, it doesn't. Yeah, I pick two. Is is the, the thing we keep saying recently? Like if you choose, you know, family, work, and a, and a hobby, you know, pick two. Like whenever you're get presented with three choices, something's going to suffer. Um, the uh, it's like the novelist. The um, another short game I don't recommend. Um, but but good, the, I'll scratch uh, that off our list. Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, but the so we we're really conscious of length um, for things, and it what it the way it expresses itself, I think, is we're both uh, huge fans of JRPGs, at least growing up. Um, and we really limit the number of those we do. Like we have the summer JRPG that we do and, and that's it because who has, 
you know, that kind of time to put 30 to 60 hours into a thing, especially when you're working on any kind of deadline and, and working on these other games at the same time. Um, so it definitely influences our, our kind of process. Other than that, we just try to not do the same genres over and over. We try to limit, you know, the, the series, like we, we space out our Mario's and our, our Resident Evil's and stuff. Um, a big part of that is also kind of establishing a rhythm. So we try not to stack too many long games in a row, or if we have one that's kind of a whopper uh, coming up, we will try and put something a little bit shorter in there. Um, and just over the years, we've, you know, kind of established like, okay, in the, in the fall, you know, we're probably going to do like an adventure game and a survival horror game to get ready for a Western RPG. Um, you know, and that's really just the, the kind of the weight of tradition, but, uh, a, a big tool that we use to help actually is a, is a great site called how long to beat. Oh, we've been using that too. That is a phenomenal website. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's been around all that long. I only found out about it maybe um seven or eight months ago like i I didn't know about it when i first started this show um when we talked to david heineman uh he was saying his project to play 400 games in four and a half years uh when he began that uh, there was no how long to beat and i I wonder how (laughs) how things would have been different for him uh if that had been around but yeah it's invaluable tool do they have uh details going back to all the retro games that you guys enjoy playing it seems like the data for that is like you know the the older the game is the uh, the less reliable the data is. Uh, there are kind of like fewer people who have voluntarily submitted scores, and sometimes the timekeeping isn't exactly that accurate. And they have a good way of like gauging that by color coding it and different kinds of things. But in general, it actually is it it, it, it serves at, at least as a rule of thumb to you know to help us figure out. Like, I, I don't know if Gary has a number in his head, but like, ideally, I would like to spend maybe like less than 10 hours a week playing a game. And that works out too. you know, every other week uh, when we do an episode like, yeah, 20 hours is probably like maxing out at what we could cover in an episode for like content wise and also fitting it in. How completionist are you? Uh, I mean, when I'm playing uh, a retro game, uh, I lean very heavily on things like uh, save states and that helps me get through things a little bit better. But when I'm playing a more modern game and I can't do something like that, uh, I tend to kind of just experience the game up through where I feel like it has nothing more new to show me and then get out. Is, is that how you guys feel about it? Or do you, how do you feel about completing all the aspects of a game? There, you can count on, on one hand, I think, the number of games that we haven't beaten for the show. Um, you know, we, we try to get to the end because we want to be able to talk about it and we feel like we're kind of doing a disservice. Um, in fact, if you look at like games, we both haven't beaten, I think there's only a couple, um, in there. So, but that doesn't, you know, given my druthers, like I, I will abandon a game once it's, you know, ceased showing me new things and, and lost my interest just because, you know, something we say a lot on the show is like, don't threaten me with boredom. Mm. Um, I, you know, I have, I have like 300 unplayed steam games. Like I have so many other games I'd rather be playing. Like don't. You know, be respectful of my time. Don't try to threaten me with tedium because you're going to lose that that standoff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So for the show, like I think we're both very diligent about doing it, getting to the end at the very least. Um, but sometimes that's by hook or by crook, and we will uh, use save states. Or um, I've never outright like put in a cheat code um, for something, but we will use save states for old games, and uh, we will skip side quests and stuff like that in newer games. Um, you know, if yeah. need be. If there's something substantial to the game that's optional, like I think we'll both try and dip into it at least enough to talk about it. 
Um, maybe not in the most educated, like, oh, I, I went and did this crazy optional dungeon kind of way. But, um, you know, I think that is the way completion is a manifest for us on this limited time scale. It's like, can we speak about this with, with any measure of authority mm -hmm. um, to at least, you know, make the, the, the episode some, you know, some kind of artifact that can be, you know, considered like, yeah, this is a this is a periodical. Right. So your show goes all the way back to 2011. I know I haven't been listening to it that long and you may have talked about this somewhat on the show, but I haven't uh, gotten a chance to hear it. How did you guys uh, get started with the show? Where did the inspiration for it come from and, and um, how did you guys start working together on it? Um, me and Cole were both uh, working in separate podcast circles and on the Something Awful forums. Um, there was a podcast workshop uh, thread mm -hmm. that started up. And we, we listened to each other's stuff and liked it. And we started talking about doing a retro show because Cole uh, does a show called, formerly called Standard That Don't Treat and Riddle Me This, uh, currently called The Level, um, where they, it's a modern game show. And he I noticed he kept talking about um, like old games and nobody else on the show had played them. <laughs> and, and and then we started that kind of conversation like, oh, like yeah. I, I'd talk about Breath of Fire 3. Sure. Yeah. Okay, I got nothing better to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I sent Gary a direct message uh, um, one night. I was like, "Hey, do you want to do like a like like a retro game show? Maybe about like thirty minutes." Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no sweat. Have, like, yeah. yeah. No, no big deal. Um, and, uh, it's a small topic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that you know, it kind of it kind of uh, uh, you know extended a little bit out of that. Yeah. And did you start with games that you had both already played um, or uh, was this from the start a project where you were playing games that you might not have played before or, or replaying stuff? Most, most of the games we do for the show, one of us has played one or both of us, not always, mm -hmm. but a, a mm -hmm. lot of the time. And we started with um, the first episodes about Mega Man X, which we both, you know, both had played, obviously, because we're you know cool dudes. You like good games. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, occasionally we will get something. So, you know, we did that. And then uh, third episode, we did uh, Dark Corners of the Earth, which, like, I had played, but Cole had not played. Like, we'll do something like that I where we'll it. introduce a game to one. Oh, you had played that before? Yeah. I, uh, maybe yeah. a better example, like, early on we did uh, Silent Hill 2, which I hadn't played. Mm -hmm. um, Bloodlines, you hadn't played, right? Is that is that the case? Or had not, you played not that? Not completion, no. Yeah. I got about, like, halfway through. Um, yeah. So so we'll, we'll introduce each other to, to things, you know, from time to time as well. Um, and then every once in a while, we'll do something neither of us have played to completion. Like right now, we're playing God Hand for the show. <laughs> and sometimes that's like, or like when we did Sacrifice, which like that turned out, we didn't like that game mm. very much. That's the one we both didn't beat. Um, but this, like we, neither of us played it. And we're just like, this is fucking phenomenal. Like, this is so good. <laughs> awesome. And it, it's it's an amazing treat. Like, it just feels really, really good to kind of co-discover this thing and, and know that you have uh, off in the future in a couple of weeks, you're going to have a chance to dork out about it and really, really drill deep about this thing that is new to you and you, you really love. That's awesome. And did that suggestion come from sort of you guys' community? I know that your show has a pretty good little community around it uh, with the Something Awful forums and stuff. Um, did that suggestion come from there with Godhand, or where did that come from? <laughs> you know what? I actually don't I don't know. Uh, we have a little widget on, a, on our <laughs> website where people can submit stuff, and I kind of keep track of that in a big spreadsheet and, you know, uh, uh, bring stuff to the top that's mentioned to, you know, uh, by, by a lot of people, like when a lot of people su suggest it, maybe it kind of came from there. But I think that both Gary and I had a little bit of like a distant, you know, curiosity about it. And so it just kind of by mystery, you know, bubbled up to the top. Is that right, Gary? Does that comport with your, uh, with, with your notions of how this happened? 
I, I'm sure someone has suggested it before. Like, I feel like I remember someone mentioning it at some point. Like, hey, you guys should do this. But we didn't have it. It wasn't a direct result. Like, we don't, um, for Watch Out for Fireballs, because of those scheduling things that we mentioned before, we don't run that entirely by listener suggestion. Like, we keep that big database Cole mentioned. But then we have our own uh, Google spreadsheet where we kind of plan out the next, you know, six months to a year and just kind of posit things and keep an ongoing conversation. Like, does this sound good? Does this sound like something you want to play? Because as, as the more, you know, we go on, like, I think that we both become more conscious of the fact that when we take these things on, we're going to be spending a lot of our time with them and we want them to be something that we'll, we'll enjoy. Not that we don't end up doing things that we don't like. And some of those are my favorite episodes where we're like, <laughs> you know, something just fails <laughs> and just really fun to shit on it a little bit. Um, but the... Um, the uh, we both at least want to be interested going in. Um, there's there's no point in choosing a game that we're going to try to like look at. You know, be on one side of twenty hours and be like, "Yep, I got to get to that other side." And none, none of this sounds cool to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Does the the show and on your other various shows kind of represent the majority of your gaming time, or do you have other games that you play that aren't worth talking about on the air, but that you keep going back to? I don't know if over the course of the past you know, three, four years, if I've ever played a game that I haven't talked about on the air. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, you know, like, you know, there's the assignment play, but then there's also the level where that gets turned into into regular discussion. But like assignment play represents a huge amount of the time that I spend, uh, you know, playing games. Yeah, me, me too. I, like I have uh, more or less like I'll play games that I'm assigned for the show and then I'll usually have Kind of like my 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 piece on the side, um, you know, kind of <laughs> like side game that I'm I'm working on, or like special things will happen. Like, oh, there's a Dark Souls DLC. I'm gonna make some time to play that, or like, and that I guess that's for the show too. Or sort like um, yeah, when uh, when uh, um, the Walking Dead episodes were coming out, or the Wolf Among Us. Like, I'll find time for those games. Mm-hmm. Um, there are you know, a couple exceptions, but the most part, I, I just work on my assignment games and I have one thing kind of on the side that I'm, I'm working through. We have that same kind of feeling. And I'd say most of the time I spend playing games these days is for the show. And in a sense, sometimes when I feel like when I, when I find a long game that I don't feel like fits our show or that we can't shoehorn in somehow into, uh, into something that we'll talk about on air, uh, I feel a little bit like I'm cheating. Like we're talking about <laughs> playing, uh, Shane and I have been talking about trying the co-op of uh divinity um original sin and it uh, looks oh, like yeah. a ton of fun but uh it's a real long game and i don't think i'm going to be able to find any way to fit it into the show apart from just generally mentioning it so uh reagan you're just gonna have to rename the show <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because that is my mistress game right now oh how are you liking it oh i love it it's it's wonderful well i I hope someday I get to hear you guys uh, talk about it on the show. I kind of have some questions I'd like to throw you guys away because I'd like to talk a little bit about, I think, kind of the intersection between what your listeners are after and what ours are. First, I just I just want to know a little bit about what kind of got you into retro gaming. How far back does your your gaming memory stretch? My, my brother and I both, uh, of course, we grew up together, uh, and that meant what? that we were sharing <laughs> a console and sharing our game library and we were Sega kids and which we means were... really it's kind of a huge handicap uh. for us these days because <laughs> all the uh, all, all the interesting gaming memories we have are about things like um the terrible uh like 
uh, Vector Man and things like that. Oh, and, Vector and, Man's good. Oh no, no, no. Vector Man's <laughs> a pretty decent game, but but uh, I feel like sometimes it's a it's a bit of a handicap. I never played uh, Mega Man X when I was a kid. I've only played yeah. it as a as an adult fairly recently, and I have a different mm-hmm. sort of level of attention span. And I think I'm just worse at games now than I was when I was a kid, or at least I don't dedicate <laughs> myself to them sometimes in the same way. So some well, of those Reagan, games, you know, we keep coming back to the idea of games that respect your time and you no respect is needed when you're a kid that's true so <laughs> you haven't earned it <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> you don't respect me because i don't respect me because my parents yeah. don't respect me because my classmates don't respect me because <laughs> i'm a dumb little kid sonic respects me <laughs> sonic understands him no he doesn't you've seen him tap his foot oh you're man you're right sonic has <laughs> a terrible, uh, <laughs> he's got a tood man yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Speaking um, of which, uh, by the way, I think that uh, uh, your Sonic Three and Knuckles episode was a fantastic one. I've just recently been playing through that. Really enjoyed listening back to that episode again. Hmm. But um, it doesn't sound like you guys. It sounds like you guys were both Nintendo kids. Am I right? No, no. Just I me. was very much a Sega kid. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Um, you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was a Sega kid, and uh, uh, I was a Sega partisan in the console wars. However, I owned both, and so I had a pretty diverse set of experiences. I think if I oh, had any deficiencies. Kid. Yeah, it was garbage kids, what we call them. Um, <laughs> um, if I had any deficiencies uh, uh, when I was real young, it was uh, PC gaming, uh, mm. just because I didn't get into that until I was, you know, relatively a, a, a bit older, right? Like, you know, let's say like late high school, college age, kind of, kind of, kind of thing. Um, so I think that's kind of the big, the big blind spot that I have that Gary kind of shores up. Yeah, and 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 I you like I I played Sega, but not when I was at that golden age. Mm-hmm. Like I got I bought a Genesis when I was like nineteen. For, you know, just for myself but as a kid i just had nintendo stuff and then uh some pc stuff and then ended up going hard on pc like when i first had disposable income like you know when i was like 19 or 20 um so that's where i gained like a lot of that stuff and how do you game now uh, i'm guessing that if you're playing this many retro games you're probably into the emulation scene but uh, i could be wrong you could be just ebaying the heck out of it <laughs> <laughs> i i it's funny because you, you mentioned you asked about collections and like I used to have like a fairly decent collection of games, um, but then I moved across the country and didn't want to carry them. Uh, so I so I sold a lot of them off, thinking like, "Oh, this can be done digitally. I need to divest myself some of this um, attachment to these these physical goods." Um, so now, you know, when we're doing old stuff, it is a lot of emulation. Uh, so so I spend a lot of time at the PC, and then that's kind of my my bag as far as uh, you know the, my my extracurricular games as well so like i know i am more of a, a pc gamer guy than than cole i think cole spends a little bit more time on the couch is that fair <laughs> and not, not like a dismissive way yeah, cole's always sitting on his ass like god i was off and pressing laptops and you know surfing <laughs> I love classism based on what kind of chair you opt to use <laughs> <laughs> i'm more of an Aeron gamer <laughs> yeah, Aeron <laughs> uh, Gamer. That sounds like the worst website. Oh um, God! <laughs> it's, so it's it's weird because it's, it's weird because you know I, I had set aside some money in anticipation of the next generation, and I had been you know a console game kind of guy, like you know Xbox 360, PS3. We have all of them, but I invested all of that in a like in a uh, like living room PC. Mm-hmm. So a great deal of the gaming that I do now is actually just in a recliner treating a t- treating a PC like like a console. Um, and then they announced Bloodborne as a 
as an exclusive, so I'm going to have to get a PlayStation Four. Oh, poor um, you. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's a it it is a yeah it, it it is PC by way of a console like experience for me uh, most of the time now. So what do you what do you if if someone was going to be playing along with you, would that be their ideal uh, setup? Would be uh, get a get an old PC, drop some emulators on there, get a Logitech controller, and hook it up to the TV. Probably not the ideal setup. Like I think that um, the the times when I can play on actual hardware, um, like it is undeniably better and is a better experience and feels yeah. better. And there are mm-hmm. ways you can kind of emulate that experience by getting um, you know controller adapters and, and such like that to actually get a SNES controller. Uh, for us, it yeah. is. I feel like it is definitely a compromise. So I don't think that's the ideal yeah. way to play along, but it is the easiest way. And when you're working in the volume that we're working in, it's the one that we can actually get done. Definitely. Reagan's yeah. always bragging about his new Retron 5. I'm not bragging about it. <laughs> it is pretty cool, though. <laughs> I, I recommend it. it without a doubt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been it's yep. been great. But uh, it has kind of ignited my uh, uh, my eBay addiction a little bit lately. And yeah. it's uh, mm. it's it's an expensive habit if you uh, if you really want to do that. But it's great. The console is terrific. I like it a lot. It's it's funny how the way um, that, that collecting stuff changed because it used to be you know, certain systems like used to not be expensive to kind of collect, you know, the, the highlights for like when I was a early 20 year old and uh, was into getting all the SNES games I loved, like there were only a couple of them that were prohibitively expensive. And then now SNES collection collecting has gone uh, collection. Yeah. Uh, Collecting has gone, (laughs) you know, has has gotten a little bit bigger. And at the time, uh, you know, PlayStation one games were dirt cheap and now, you know, PlayStation one games, especially RPGs and Atlas titles and stuff are really expensive. Um, so that's like, that kind of stuff evolves. Yeah. And some uh, of the SNES stuff yeah. is just absurdly priced now. It's really, really hard yeah. to get into that. Um, I've yeah. kind of enjoyed yeah. that the, uh, the Retron will let you buy a Super Famicom cartridge and it'll do IPS patches on the fly. So you can, uh, hmm. you can play a lot of the uh, Japanese stuff. And I've even done that with some games that have American releases, but it's much cheaper to get the Super Famicom cartridge. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Something that's been really good for us, and uh, another factor that you know figures into what games we pick, is uh, just the amount of re-releases and stuff that happen. You mm-hmm. know, whether it's by the PSN store or Virtual Console, um, uh, and then general PC releases through GOG and stuff like that. Now is a really great time to have a show like ours, um, just because older games are a lot easier to get a hold of in a cost-effective way as possible. So that is a consideration. Like, oh, God Hand, we would probably think twice about doing that if it wasn't ten dollars on PSN. Right. And it's only just recently that we've started like dipping into like gray market kind of stuff like Suikoden, not on (laughs) PSN. It was announced for it. We banked on it being out by the time we played it. Wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we try and be very conscientious about that. But we're willing to dip into it if it means that we can kind of broaden that experience. True. Yeah. Uh, the, The thing that stands out to me about Watch Out for Fireballs is how good your game design critique is. It's one of the things about your show that I just listen to and think, oh, God, what am I doing? My show is my show is an embarrassment compared to watch out for fireballs because come on I, okay you're right we're we're, we're yeah, awesome right, right. i'll be editing all of that out um but, <laughs> you are worthy you are worthy you are worthy <laughs> Here we go. thank you so much the uh imagine mario looking at you instead of imagining sonic looking at you oh okay like, you're an adult now mario's <laughs> right. looking at you with a smile and his his you know it's joined to me it's um, a me and, yes yeah. <laughs> thank you guys um the thing that really stands out about your show to me is how competent and really clear your game design um, 
critiques or just um, analysis is. Uh, and kind of you guys really have a good uh, sort of vocabulary for that sort of thing. So when you guys talk about a game, you're not just like a lot of a lot of game critique tends towards just ah well it's kind of like it's kind of like this game meets that game but with a twist whereas you guys <laughs> have a a good way of kind of diving in and talking about the specifics of a game's design that stand out to you or that are really useful and i kind of wondered if that was something that you guys had um just sort of built as a part of chatting with each other over the years or if there was something about that that was I'm not sure where this question is going, but how do you guys build that sort of game design vocabulary and, and give such a clear discussion of it? It's I would I would chalk up to two things. And, and Cole, you can let me know if you disagree. Um, one, I would say, is just practice because we've been doing it for a long time. Um, the second one being a function of the show, um, because we go because we spend, you know, the whole like we're going to sit down for two hours and, and talk about this thing we both just went through. Um, you know, we have it in mind and it's a luxury that's afforded to us. Like we couldn't just say like, oh, it's just kind of like this and this and then move on because then we'd have no show and there'd be nothing, nothing to do after that. <laughs> um, and I think that the kind of the real, um, if you listen to the early episodes, the uh, real kind of moment to moment, uh, you know, deco- uh, granular demarcations of like stuff like that is kind of developed really quickly. But initially, I think that um, you listen to that Mega Man episode and that Mist episode and, and stuff. Um, we were going to talk about the, the games a little bit more generally, a little bit more about their place in history. And we still do a little bit of that, but we kind of front and backload it and really are focusing on the like, hey, they this thing is at this point. How does that make you feel? What does that uh, do? What, how does that reflect on the part that comes after? Things like that. Just because we've gotten so we're so zoomed in. Um, is, is really kind of the issue. And I think that both of us are more interested in that than like a kind of a, a broader news format. Um, and then, you know, and then we do you know, Bonfire Side Chat, which is even more, you know, that's, that's essentially <laughs> a show on a level of a game. Yeah. You know, like we, we really are interested in that, like the micro uh, kind of lens as opposed to the macro lens of the stuff. Um, and and yeah. part of that, I know, is at least a little bit intentional because the macro lens is what gets talked about, I feel like. A lot of the time, um, you know, a lot of podcasts, gaming podcasts are like some dudes sitting around in a room. They're talking about the industry. Um, they're, you know, they're kind of talking about those general <laughs> trends. Or then, and then you have something like Retronauts where like they're talking about um, the history. Like those guys are, are museum curators. Like I love that show. Yeah, um, I, absolutely. I've been on a couple of times. Like I'm big fans of those guys. But like they're, they're historians. And what we want to do is actually just like take a really, really close look and analyze the actual thing that they're getting the broader context of. Is that does that jibe, Cole, or is or is that am I speaking for you out of turn? No, for sure, it definitely jibes. Um, I don't know why I led with no when I was agreeing with you. Um, it really is, you know. I, I just <laughs> it, it, it's it's a it's a product of you know do, doing a lot of it for a very long time, um, and so so much of what we do, I would just call it kind of advanced paying attention, um, you know, in, in kind of a in kind of a really pithy way because. It's just a matter of, you know, playing it with a keen eye towards like, you know, forming an opinion about it that can be tested not on the show as we talk about it, but uh, throughout the rest of the game as we play it. Mm -hmm. Right. So actually like having Mm -hmm. that having that initial kind of gut feeling and then have it be, you know, hopefully sharpened and honed and crystallized and metaphor mixed, uh, you know, by the time (laughs) (laughs) by the time the notes come together and by the time we actually kind of like sit down and test our impressions against each other, you know, uh, it, it really is just a matter of kind of developing that eye. Right. Do you often uh, agree or do you, do you find yourselves <laughs> disagreeing a lot on uh, 
the finer points of a game. It, it's a lot of like when we disagree, it's a lot of shades of gray. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's a lot of like I would have given this a, a you know a, val- a gray value of two and Cole gave it a gray value of three. Um, Jackass. Like, yeah. yeah. It's it's mostly us agreeing loudly. I think. <laughs> yeah. Do you take a lot of notes as you work your way through a game? Like, do you do you pause every thirty seconds and write down a thought, or how does that work for you? I'm guilty of that more so than Gary is. I believe. Tell, correct me if I'm wrong, Gary. No. Yeah. I, I will. I will write something up that is uh, specifically noteworthy, but most of the stuff I keep in my noggin. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have like a I have no books and like no cards and stuff that I that I kind of like keep track of just the beats really mm-hmm. and uh, anything anything like quote wise or you know just like oh I want to I want to make sure that this gets represented because when those get put together into into an outline for the show like that the purpose that that serves is for us to kind of have an idea of what the track is um, you know broken down by area and if we run through if we run through you know talking about one thing we're like okay what's next having that as reference you'd be like oh and also this was yeah. here. Yeah, and it's super helpful to me. Like, I don't actually contribute to that process, but it it helps me out a lot, too, because sometimes, you know, if if I get to the gray middle of a game and it's just kind of gooey and there's not that much you know, <laughs> new that's being introduced, um, you know, I'll be reminded because Cole has kept really good notes. And I take advantage of that because I know he's going to do it anyway. <laughs> so I, I just I just let him yeah. do it. Yeah. And then, and then so, you know, I'll, I'll remember things that aren't in the notes, like with some frequency, too. Like, I'm not not contributing to that part. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been looking at ways to kind of improve this angle of our show, and I, um, I've been trying to do some reading about, uh, so trying to find some good resources where I can do some reading about game design and kind of improve the, uh, the I just kind of want to step up our game here. I, I've been reading a couple of books. Um, there's a good one called uh, Game Design Companion that's a uh, critical analysis of Wario Land 4. Uh, that dives in and talks about moment by oh if you haven't checked it out i totally recommend it it's really cool um basically it's a kind of a a book that tries to lay out uh a specific vocabulary it's kind of in a textbook format and it's uh it tries to lay out a specific vocabulary for game design and and talking about this is game news design. to me uh that anyone would would make a uh, a wario land textbook <laughs> just <laughs> well just people, me people no teach end. game design in colleges now and stuff and i i guess that's a thing they need books to use i i minored in wario (laughs) (laughs) there's another more recent book that's called a game design vocabulary by uh anna anthropy and naomi clark that i've just read Hmm. a chapter of and have ordered off of amazon and haven't uh haven't actually received yet but i definitely recommend um the book on wario land 4 that is just a fantastic like that's such a simple game I I don't recall, maybe, I don't remember if you guys have done an episode on it or not, but um, it's such a simple game. It's an incredibly fun little game without a whole lot to it. It's got just a few simple mechanics, and yet it kind of breaks that apart and and really goes into each, it's kind of like an extremely extended episode of your show, but through the lens of trying to develop very specific vocabulary for talking about uh, game design. It's, uh, It's really interesting. Yeah, I've got the ebook of it, but I haven't started it yet. Mm. Um, I heard about that show first on uh, on Retronauts. They did a, a Wario Land episode and talked about it. And I love Wario mm. Land for. Um, I just haven't read the the book yet. I think I came across it because um, there's a a podcast uh, called the Racket Boy podcast. Racket Boy is a, a gaming forum, um, and they they did an they did an interview with the guy who wrote that book, and it was actually a kind of a 
boring interview. I hope that they don't listen to this. Um, but the the interview was really just sort of hammered home what an academic this guy was who wrote it. And so I was fascinated by the idea that this kind of stuffy academic guy had written a whole book about Wario Land 4. And so, yeah, really cool stuff. I just love it when stuffy academics suck all the fun out of things. <laughs> <laughs> Like watch out for fireballs. That show is a yeah yeah yeah. Well, it's it's funny that you bring that up because you you said a lot of nice things about the show and I, I appreciate it. And it's it's funny because the show is like for certain people and some people are bored to tears by it. Like we will get you know feedback on on the mess the something awful forums or something of people who are just like this is not for me. Like this is boring and and. I don't want someone to go all the, you know, just kind of go through a game like that. Like we've gotten reviews, uh, you know, to mm-hmm. that, to that effect, you know, a couple of things like that. Like it is, you know, some people do feel like we are just, you know, sucking the fun out of a game. Um, you know, it's just kind of funny that you bring that up. Like we've gotten a lot of, well, at least early on, we got a lot of feedback about spoilers. And I thought if, if we're getting that kind of feedback, you guys are definitely getting <laughs> feedback about that. What's funny is along with that feedback, we get a lot of people saying, oh, my gosh, I love this because I can vicariously experience these games that I otherwise would not have been able to play or revisit these games that I that I hadn't been able to play. So there exists a certain stripe of person out there in our audience who listens to us and wants those spoilers um, because, like, yeah. we have found this weird niche in this ecosystem. Our compromise on that, and we got a lot of negative feedback about that early on, and so our compromise on that, because I really want to go into the depth and talk about, you know, details of the plot and endings and things like that on our show, uh, is that we kind of put in a um, incomparable style um, yeah. spoiler break. Spoiler horn. Yeah, and we uh, <laughs> we do that about midway through each episode and try and try and but actually trying to, to figure out what stuff to talk about beforehand and what stuff to talk about afterward <laughs> is always this constant juggling act and it's very difficult so um i kind of admire that you guys kind of just you know let it go and if you're if you're not interested in hearing about spoilers maybe you stop after the skit at the beginning of the show we go into it with the assumption that people who are listening to the the episode want to hear about it yeah yeah so. oh yeah and I've 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 read somewhere uh, maybe I'm imagining this now, but uh, I, that spoilers do in fact enhance people's enjoyment of things. I, I've found that's in many cases true. I mean, with the possible exception of the sixth sense, you, you're gonna you're gonna go into it knowing what to expect, and if you know you're expecting something that you're gonna like, I think it uh, improves the experience. Is the sixth sense the one where the ghost turned out to be Kaiser Soge? Sorry. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot a lot of spoilers, a lot of things that people call like, oh my gosh, spoilers. Um, they don't make any sense if you don't know the thing that you're, that you're talking about. So if I encounter a spoiler for something that I'm completely unfamiliar with, by the time I get to the thing that it's spoiling, I don't have any recollection of it. Or it's just a vague, oh, that thing. Yeah. Gives you yeah. more of a kind of a recognition, you know, high. It's like, oh, right. I didn't understand that before yeah. when somebody tried to spoil it for me and now I do. And now it makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, there's, there's also an element of like people who are really sensitive about spoilers. It suggests a, like a real adversarial relationship between them and art where <laughs> they just want, they want to figure out the twist. Like this is the filmmaker trying to fool me. Um, I'm going to try to outsmart them. And if I saw, you know, the people who see a movie and they're just like, I knew that thing was going to happen. And they dismiss the entire movie based on that. Um, you know, there's, there's a, this weird attitude of like just being versus the art as opposed to being like, okay, like I'm going to be told a story. And, and I obviously it is 
you know, it shouldn't even need to be said that it's so important how it's told, not just what, what happens. Last night I was at a theme park for one of these, uh, uh, Halloween things. And, um, there was a kid standing in the line and a guy, guy walks up wearing a skeleton mask. And this little kid just says, that's not a real skeleton. That's not real at all. <laughs> He's a pony. That's kind of what I hear sometimes when I, uh, when I hear these kinds of complaints. What kind of adult are you going to grow up into? I definitely understand the kind of the, the counter argument, though, because there are certainly parts in games that I wouldn't want to have revealed for me ahead of time. You know, if it's a, if it's a game uh, that's a puzzle game, you know, where, where part of the enjoyment of the game is that experience of discovery. You know, I, you guys mentioned you did Mist early on, and, and we just recently did uh, Year Walk. That's a, it's a similar like adventure-style puzzle game. Love that game. And uh, I think in, in some genres, in some kinds of games, there's, there's definitely certain things that I personally wouldn't reveal to somebody who was going to play it. The, the the truth is somewhere like in the middle and there are some things that you will get uh, the truth is in the middle uh, you will get more enjoyment out of not knowing and so you know mechanical spoilers like make a kind of sense uh, but with, with our show it's always positive I'm like if you're going to play the game like if you're going to play the game at all you should play it before you listen to our show yeah um, if you're not going to play it then yeah. then dive in oh uh, yeah no I was just going to say solution spoilers are kind of a dick move <laughs> like just kind of mm-hmm. like oh that puzzle where you had to flip flip flop the jibbity do yeah okay cool um yeah. that, that that to just me is so like yeah. oh great not like, a walk it, through it, show it, it's it sucks the yeah it sucks the it sucks the wind out of the sails which we do that like you know we'll say oh the trick about this puzzle here was you know like you know because we have to we have to talk about it like because if the solution was you know either really elegant we want to praise it and if it was really you know like oh some bullshit uh we can we swear i'm sorry yes yeah you're completely fine <laughs> okay so, I, I so if the solution twice. was some fucking bullshit okay uh, then, I've been um, counting. Then, then, you're uh, you're under our swear limit. <laughs> cool. I'll cut you off though. S- SPM. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, if the solution's bullshit, we want to say it. But again, you know, it, like if somebody's out there listening to this, thinking, okay, I would like to know more of these guys, and I'm a little bit worried about spoilers. Like maybe the first 20 minutes of our show, in an in an in an incomparable like fashion, like we hit those generalities, and then it's very clear when we say, all right, let's get to it they can like get into it. And oftentimes if we're talking about something that's especially plot heavy, like a, uh, you know, like an adventure game or an RPG where the, kind of the fun of the, of the moment to moment is revealing those story beats. We'll actually like dispense with talking about the plot and the, and the generalities and pepper that in throughout, throughout the entire experience. So th- there is a little bit of a safe zone. It's just not clearly demar- dem- demarcated by a horn. Right. And you, and you can't talk about the process of coming upon a solution without talking about the solution <laughs> itself. And the whole show is about us, like, the game is asking us to do this. How did we figure it out? How is the game teaching us to do it? And we Mm -hmm. can't do that without actually saying what it is. (laughs) So we we end up going into that stuff. You'd end up talking in a lot of circles. So part of my favorite thing about talking to um, other podcasters and specifically people uh, like you guys who've play just a ton of games uh is that you can do a little bit of my job for me and uh and maybe recommend <laughs> to some of our listeners uh games that you think might fit our kind of wheelhouse so what we look for when we when we choose games for our show uh would be games that you can that a non uber gamer type person somebody who can you know who who's played some games but maybe isn't 
you know, wired to their keyboard directly with a neural link or something. Their mechanical keyboard, Reagan? It, of course. <laughs> Is there another kind? Um, that somebody like that can pick up and play and complete and probably like, uh, you know, under a week or maybe a weekend or two or three evenings, something like that. Um, and I know like we talked about this earlier, my biggest sort of blind spot is retro games, particularly the Nintendo side of them, because I didn't get to play those as a kid. Um, I've tried to go back and and uh, explore that more recently, but I was hoping maybe you guys, we could spend a, a minute talking about some games you think might fit that format. Yeah, like um, specifically uh, specifically uh, old games that like are, are kind of pick up and play? No, we, we cover everything, so we'll. Uh, I'd be happy to hear your recommendations about any of those. But you did a little bit of like... Because you had mentioned when you sent us an email, said like you're going to ask us about some some short games, mm-hmm. and what I what I tried to think about uh, for that were like um, genres that tend to be really like short examples of genres that are really long. Oh, that's great. Um, mm-hmm. So because sometimes I want like like a certain kind of experience, but the only way to get it is like you know this this pretty insane uh, commitment. So I thought of a couple of things like. Um, one game, um, you know, because uh, one of our favorite games that we've done for the show is Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, and if you want that kind of experience, I can't really talk enough sugar about uh, Shadowrun Returns Dragonfall, which came out this year. Oh. Um, it is a tactical RPG that is real manageable. Like it is, you, know, you could beat it in a week, you could probably beat it in a weekend if you, you've got some time, a little bit of time to set aside. It's probably like 10 hours, 10, 11 hours. Um, but that game is, that game is really phenomenal. And is like a bite-sized oh. version of an experience that's kind of hard to get. That's otherwise. awesome because that's something that I've. My, part of my background is tabletop RPGs, and and Shadowrun is uh, one of my absolute favorite experiences like that. So and that's, that's been on my list. Shoot right to the top of my list. Yeah, that's definitely been on my list, but it's not. I wasn't really aware that it was short. I always feel like, uh, yeah, I I was really into. Um, some of the Final Fantasy Tactics stuff and, and other other similar games, but I've never found one that I felt like would be good for the show. That's a great recommendation. Thank you very much. You, you want to ping pong, Cole? Do you got something? Yeah, sure. Um, so since we, I, like, I currently just got finished playing uh, Resident Evil uh, for the show. We're going to be doing that here in a couple of weeks. And uh, so I'm coming into this with that and also never-ending nightmares in my uh, in my <laughs> noggin, right? And my general abiding love for, for, for horror games, um, I think uh, a small part of that is also an appreciation for the fact that a lot of them are just really, really short. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you're looking uh, for, like, experiences that are in the sub 10 hour range you could do a lot worse than like going and picking up the uh the silent hill hd collection like you have silent hill 2 and 3 and those are some of the best horror games ever made and they both clock in at just under like 10 hours um so that's kind of the retro side of things um i don't know if i'd recommend uh never ending nightmares like uh you know just straight out of you know without any recognition of like anybody's affinity for that genre um but um that is also another option that's out there. Uh, but yeah, like uh, horror games, if you look into those, they do tend to be shorter to resummarize what I just said. Sorry. We have not covered a horror game. Uh, and we were actually intending to cover one. We uh, we thought we might be interested in uh, Outlast. And so I, I guess that depends if you that, consider your walk horror. It, well, I guess that's true. Um, but yeah, we were going to play Outlast for the show. Yeah. And I didn't get into it. But I have been definitely looking for an, another horror game to... Uh, I didn't think I had enough to say about Outlast. I thought it was fine, yeah. but it was, you know, I wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 
I, that's a really good recommendation. I should go back and play some of those uh, again and and give that another shot. And that's true, Shane. Yeah, Year Walk is kind of horror-y, I guess. Um, and I definitely like that aspect of it. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. Penumbra is really great. It's outstanding, too, for old short horror game. Um, the Penumbra yeah. series. And, and Amnesia as now. well. I'm not sure I'm yeah. familiar with that, but it's the name sounds familiar enough that I, I bet it's in my Steam library completely untouched. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that was that they, in a bundle are, at some point? Amnesia is scary as shit. Oh, Amnesia, yeah, yeah. yeah. Outlast, I'd, I'd say it's it's comparable in in Frightitude to Outlast. Mm. Yeah, but mechanically more interesting than Outlast, and narratively yeah. more interesting than Outlast. Yeah, I, I, I thought the narrative of Outlast was where it was kind of like I, I I've I've been through I don't know one too many spooky asylums and. I kind of felt it was a little, it was a little yeah, samey to me, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. The, uh, if, if you guys are, are looking for, again, just another short thing, like when I was kind of brainstorming, have you guys done um, Transistor on the show? Yes, we did. Oh my gosh. Such okay. an amazing I, game. I thought, I thought maybe you guys had, like I, I looked at the, the list of things I thought maybe so, but I wanted to make sure if not, because that, that's, you know, I was really impressed by the, the kind of brevity and um, economy of that game. And it's fantastic. So yeah. this has been such an amazing year for games. It has been. Uh, Transistor was a great one. I just loved the combat system in that game. Um, mm-hmm. I'll put a link in the show notes to our episode. Transistor is the first game in a long time that I played the whole way through uh, in just a little over one sitting and then sat, continued to play long into the night a second playthrough on the <laughs> kind of new game plus just because I just could not uh, put that game down. Yeah, yeah, I don't usually do new game pluses because obviously with kind of the tone of our show, we we're trying to dive into games, get as much out of them as we can in a relatively short time and then and then move on. And sometimes that can mm-hmm. mean that I don't get a chance to do those uh, additional things. But yeah, Transistor was one where uh, I couldn't help but play through it a second time. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. Airtight. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. I know uh, I've really been looking forward to this because uh, your show has been an inspiration for our show for a while, and uh, I really respect the work you guys do there. I'll make sure we have tons of links to uh, watch out for fireballs, uh, maybe some particular episodes. There's probably some of our listeners who haven't had a chance to check out Watch Out for Fireballs yet. Uh, Are there any particular episodes that you would point them to as a good jumping on point for somebody who's interested in checking out your show? Hmm. Um, like pick a game that you like already, um, that yep. you don't, don't mind having spoiled. Um, and then other than that, like, if you're not worried about that, like what are the, the kind of, um, the, I think the, the eternal darkest one's really fun. Yeah. Uh, Cause we fucked around with the format a little bit on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? Cole? What am I missing? Uh, looking here recently, the alpha protocol episode is really good. Um, yeah. and that extra episode. So we do a main episode and then we do, um, um, kind of like off week episodes where we do listener responses. And in that case, we interviewed Chris Avalon, mm-hmm. um, you know, noted game design hero, Chris Avalon and noted really nice dude, uh, on that extra episode as well. So if you're curious about one of those longer experiences, um, I feel like we have a lot of good stuff to say and that, and also that interview is really good. Yeah. And definitely if you're listening and haven't checked those out, don't skip the extra sods. They're full of really fun stuff. They're, they're awesome. Can I just say when I jumped onto your show, it was the Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, hog one. And so the very first thing I heard was that, uh, Sonic fanfic sketch and it almost <laughs> scared me away, guys. I gotta say. The, that, that's, we've, that's, there's been a long contentious history with those little opening sketch things mm-hmm. where like people either like them or people really, really dislike them. <laughs> and, and what we eventually like realized was like, 
we like doing them, so we want to keep doing them. But <laughs> there are probably people who just sit down and listen to this and think that's all that it is. Yeah. Um, two so, and a half and, hours of that. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just two and a half hours of. And and I want to hear the while, I want to hear the conclusion of the Sonic the Hedgehog uh, saga. <laughs> Did he get his ring? <laughs> and, uh, the, and and then for a little while, the compromise we came up with was like, okay, at the at the beginning of every episode. Let's say what the episode is about and then say we're going into a sketch so we don't break anyone's immersion. <laughs> and then we started the Patreon campaign and that took our first part. So now people could just literally think that people are uh, patroning, patronizing us uh, <laughs> essentially just to, you know, make make off color, you know, sonic sex jokes. <laughs> for Sonic sex joke theater of the mind. <laughs> yeah. I would subscribe to that podcast. Uh, yeah. Well, um, and of course, we should plug your Patreon, uh, which uh, is running now. If you go to patreon.com and, and uh, you know, search for them, watch out for fireballs, uh, you'll find that you can support the great work they're doing over there as well as get some, I don't know what, stickers or something, right? Some... <laughs> <laughs> whatever you people Whatever, get. whatever yeah. those people get. Tote bags. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's all kinds of bags. It's the yeah. NPR of, uh, of podcasting funding models, and uh, it seems to be working. <laughs> How's that been working out for you guys, by the way? Great. Awesome. Yeah, people have been amazingly yeah. supportive. It's really touching. Yeah. Um, you know, really, we really appreciate it. And it's awesome because, like, early on, this show cost us money, like not insignificant money mm-hmm. to do between buying games and between uh, just, like, hosting costs and stuff like that. And and this, at the very least, has allowed us to do some extra stuff and, and made it not cost us money, which is cool because – as previously discussed for the last hour, we spent a lot of time on it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, so I guess now will be a good time for us to wrap it up. Um, I'm really bad with the outros as well as the intros. So, uh, so well, I'll outro us. Oh, go for it, guys! <laughs> I am just incredibly appreciative of you spending the time to come on our show. Uh, Reagan and I, as we've said, are, are both big fans of what you do, and uh, gonna keep listening. So. Thank you guys so much. Uh, where can people follow you guys or find you on the interwebs? Well, first, just real quick, that's immensely flattering. So thank you guys yes. very much for saying that. Like, uh, and doing this, this this experience has been very flattering. And, and I'm I can you know think hopefully speak for Cole. I'm really happy to do it. Yeah. So uh, you know it's been a lot of fun, and and the pleasure is ours. So thank you. Going to, you know. For sure. Uh, um, you can you can find me on Twitter, um, Waff Podcast, which is the official one that I am bad at updating. Um, but you can follow me personally, which I'm better at updating, at uh, Gary Ba G A R Y B U H. They uh, had a character limit, huh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm making fun of myself. It is, the the <laughs> Ba is how I end anything where I, it's me being dumb. So. <laughs> Um, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Cole Ross. Uh, it's a, a, a non-standard spelling, K-O-L-E-R-O-S-S. And of course, you can find our show on Twitter. We are at underscore short game. We couldn't get the short game because of the stupid, uh, uh, po- uh, there's a there's a documentary about uh, uh, golf. golf, exactly. <laughs> young young people, young people playing golf. Therefore, you know, the oh, short, it's short game. game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's an it's a documentary on Netflix. I can't recommend it. Um, <laughs> but you can follow us on Twitter at underscore short game. Or, of course, you can find our website at www.theshortgame.net. You can find me personally on Twitter at Reagan K, which is spelled funny. It's R. A Y G A N K and Shane. Ray Gank. Yes, exactly. And uh, Shane, where can people find you? I am at 8 Bit Shane. 
And of course, we uh, we were not joined this week by our third co-host who couldn't be here. Um, that is uh, Nate Heininger. And you can follow if for some reason this episode made you want to follow the guy who wasn't here. He's at. Uh, hey, guys, what did I miss? Uh, oh, hey, Nate. <laughs> we'll edit him in. He had some really insightful questions, guys. Thanks for your responses to those. Um, and that's uh, Nate Heininger. I think you could follow him at. Uh, I don't even remember his. I'll edit that in later. Um, all right. And. You can join us next week when we should be talking Nate about... STL. Oh. This is Twitter. There we are. Uh, and you can join us next week when I think we're going to be talking about Little Inferno. Is that right, Shane? Mm. That's right. Oh. oh, that's fantastic, guys. Love oh, that yeah. game. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's, that's a wonderful game. Yeah. Good choice. Cool. Well, I'm glad we have your approval. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to no, <laughs> no, no. Like, do whatever you want. No, no. I mean that, I mean that sincerely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, watch out for fireballs, I guess.